Mud Stories, Episode 30. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place no matter how you're handling your grief, it's right for you. And that's the hard part about grief. I know that you talk to a lot of people about this. It's very difficult to put it in words. It is. It is not something I can say, this is what you need to do to find joy again. I can say, this is kind of what worked for me that didn't work for me. And the things that didn't work for me may be the perfect thing for you. There is hope. And you will find joy again. And I hope that you can just listen to me that someone who has felt like I will never survive this. To hear the lift in my voice knowing that there is joy behind that curtain. You have to at least be just a little, even a little open. Just a little. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so glad you've joined me today because I have a very special interview for you. And although today's topic of grief and loss is not an easy one, I do think it's one that affects all of us at one time or another. Whether we've lost a parent, a child, a friend, a marriage, a job, or even a dream. No matter what it is, loss is so very hard and grieving takes time. Well, two years ago, I found a story with a hyperlink over at Ann Voskamp's blog about a woman who received a new heart and the family who made it possible. And I was so moved and touched by that story. And this year, when Ann reposted that same story, I clicked through that hyperlink to find out even more. And on the other side of that link was our guest today with an incredible story of loss, grief, and yet God's ability to bring good even out of such a tragedy. Today I'm talking with Tara Storch, wife to Todd and mom to three lovely children, Taylor, Ryan, and Peyton. And Todd and Tara's story of losing a child is one of tragedy, sending them through years of grief, but one in which God has met them and used them to bring good from a horrific and tragic situation. So in this episode, Tara shares the mud story of losing her 13-year-old daughter, Taylor, her deep sadness and anger at God, and her struggle in answering the question, why? We discuss the uniqueness of each person's individual grief and how God meets us in it, how to help our kids grieve, and how time doesn't necessarily heal, but it does ease the sting of our loss. And, you know, I just love what Todd and Tara are doing. They wrote and co-authored a book entitled Taylor's Gift, which I had the privilege to read, which I encourage each and every one of you to read. It is an incredible story. They've written it so beautifully, and Ravel has published it. And in it, they open up about their journey of finding hope and purpose through their grief. And, you know, the awareness that they've brought to this issue of grief and organ donation, more specifically, has brought them to be able to share their story at places like Good Morning America, The Today Show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, in addition to many other national and international media appearances. And what moves me so much about Tara's message is how she so transparently shares how she personally, as a mom, has managed grief and this tragic loss, and how she highlights and emphasizes the good that has come from such a loss, not only for her and her family, but how good can come from our losses too. And it is my honor and privilege to present to you my conversation with Tara Storch. Enjoy. 
Hi, Tara. I am so glad to welcome you to the Mud Stories podcast. It's such an honor to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for agreeing to join me here. Thank you for asking me, Jackie. I'm so excited to do this with you. Very honored when you reached out to me asking me if I would be on your podcast. This is wonderful. Well, thank you. You know, I started this podcast with the hope of encouraging even just one someone who felt like they weren't able to make it through their day. Maybe someone who wasn't able to believe they could ever get beyond the pain of their now or doubtful that there was anything God could really do to use their story for good. And I know there have been many days you felt just that way, maybe angry at God, drowning in grief, or disconnected from a lot of relationships in your life. And I think sometimes those desperate times are a result of our own choices, our failures, or missteps. But other times they're the result of something that's happened to us, something beyond our control that we would never, ever have chosen. Mm-hmm. And back in March of 2010, as your family went on a spring break skiing vacation, that was exactly what happened to you. Will you take us back to that time and share with us what happened? Oh, yeah, that's always a hard one. Um, Yeah. So in March of 2010, like you said, you know, we decided to go on a family ski trip to uh, Beaver Creek, Colorado. And my husband and my son had been on these father-son ski trips for the past couple of years with this big group of dads and this big group of sons. And it was so fun for them that, you know, we all sat around the kitchen table one night at dinner and talked about, you know, the upcoming spring break. And, you know, we all decided, we know what, we all should do that together as a family. You know, my husband, Todd, my son had such a great time. Let's do that as a family. I had skied before, um, and, you know, our two daughters, Taylor and Peyton, had never skied. So we thought this is going to be really fun. <laughs> so we take this big road trip. I mean, I can still hear the laughter and the goofiness and the <laughs> silly smells, <laughs> you yeah. know, that come from the car. It was such a fun car ride. I will never forget that. I mean, we just had lots of laughs. Um, and so, you know, we got up there and, and Taylor and Peyton started ski school, you know, to really kind of go over right. the techniques of skiing. And um, after it was over, we met down at the bottom of the mountain and the ski instructor, you know, reached out to us and said, okay, you know, Peyton did great. You know, y'all are really good. Taylor, we had to keep moving her up because she was ended up skiing with 17-year-old boys because she just <laughs> caught on to this. Has she ever skied before? And we said, no, she never had, but she's very athletic. She was a big volleyball player and just real in shape and just, you know, had that athleticism that came easy to her on that. Mm-hmm. And so she said, oh my gosh, y'all are going to have the best time. So they're very prepared. But Taylor, she was just, I couldn't believe she had never skied before. So y'all have fun. So Peyton was tired from the day. And so Ryan and Todd and Taylor decided, you know what, let's make one last run before the slopes close. So Peyton and I went down to take our skis back and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, at first I'm kind of getting irritated thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've totally lost track of time. And here we are waiting. We're freezing down here. Right. And then I see Todd coming down with just Ryan. And he said, Taylor's been in an accident and mm. they had ski patrol with them. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of shock. Mm. It's like someone has, you know, pressed something um, electrical to your chest almost. Mm. Um, and I just felt right there, something was not going to be right. And so what had happened is that they were coming down the very last run to come down to meet me and Peyton and they were turning a corner and Taylor just lost control on her skis and went off into the trees. Mm. And from that, she, you know, we lost her and Mm. it, it, what became the best family ski vacation to the worst family vacation we've ever taken in a, you know, in a split second. Hmm. Um, so that's what happened. So the ski patrol responded and you accessed emergency medical services, obviously, and you found yourself in a hospital. We did. Tell us what happened in those moments. Well, we ended up going to Vail Emergency and they realized the extent of what was happening. And my brother is a doctor. And so my husband was on the phone with him constantly, um, just relaying information. My brother was talking to the doctors and they ended up having to care flight her to Grand Junction. The first um, choice was Denver, but the weather was so horrible. They could not get her to Denver. So they care flighted her to Grand Junction. So the Vail Hospital 
you know, put the rest of us in a van and we had a two and a half hour drive ahead of us. And I tell you, that was the longest two and a half hours Mm. I've ever experienced. Um, And I just, I remember just kept yelling at the driver, please go faster, go faster. And there was nothing he could do. I mean, we were in snow like crazy. Um, And so when we got there, um, I'll never forget the orthopedic surgeon came out and sat down with Todd and I and just said, you know, she's has this broken bone and this broken leg and ribs and her C7 and jaw and, you mm. know, the extent of the brokenness. And Todd and I went, okay, you know, um, we can, we can deal with all that. You know, we can absolutely deal with all that. And Todd said, Todd said, okay, you know, she's got a, she's a big volleyball player and high school tryouts are going to be coming up soon. You know, when do you think she'll be able to be on the court? And he kind of looked at us and he said, well, if everything was normal, it would be probably a year before she'd be able to play as normal. He said, but Hmm. this isn't your concern right now. And, you know, we have the neurologist coming out. This is, that's the least of what you need to be concerned about. And so when the Hmm. orthopedist left, you know, within 20 minutes or so, the neurologist came out and told Todd and I that, um, not in these words, but we had pretty much crossed over the path of having hope to having no hope. And, um, you know, not in those words, she was more delicate, but we had crossed that line of, okay, this is going to be a tough recovery. Gosh, you know, she's going to be a lot of pain. You know, there's going to be <laughs> physical therapy and right. to, oh my God, we're going to be planning a funeral for our child. And it was a, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And so while we are in the room with Taylor, um, a nurse came in and I'll never forget, she knelt right in front of me and she said, your daughter is a beautiful candidate for organ donation. Would you consider it? And I was sitting there and I looked at Todd, who was standing by Taylor's bedside Mm -hmm. and it was an immediate yes. I mean, and honestly, Jackie, this is something we had never discussed as a family. We had never sat around the dinner table discussing organ donation and what if, because you don't go there in your head, right? Especially with your children. Right. Well, most of us haven't discussed that. Yeah. I mean, we never have had that conversation, but we knew because the type of giving child Taylor was that this is exactly what she would have wanted and chosen for herself. And I remember Todd looking at me and said, this is what she would have done. And I said, yes, absolutely. Yes. And so from there, um, she was able to save five lives. Her heart went to a mom in Arizona who, you know, really just was on her very last heartbeat pretty much. I mean, she was on the list to get an artificial heart. Um, and all she wanted really was just to wake up in the morning to take her kids to school. I mean, it wasn't like she was trying to do this big thing. She just wanted to have time with her children and her husband. Yeah. Her kidney went to a young man. Um, in Colorado, who was doing dialysis six to seven hours, I think four times a week. I mean, and it was, mm. it's not like when you're waiting for an organ that everything's great. You know, you're doing great until that call comes in. No, you're continually getting sicker right. as you're waiting on this organ, this precious gift of you're life. You're going to die essentially from your condition, right. right? Exactly. Well, Jonathan. I mean, he used to be such a. He was an athlete. He hiked and biked, and you know, so. 18 months after receiving Taylor's kidney, he was able to do a 500-mile bike race across the state of Iowa called Ragbri. And so, I mean, he had a team, and in honor of Taylor and the foundation we had built, um, he was able to do that. Her kidney and pancreas went to a man that was um, insulin-dependent and doing dialysis every day. Actually, they had changed their upstairs room to a dialysis. They had a nurse that would Mm. come in and help him. And, I mean, he was just really, I mean, he wasn't able to see his, he was so sick. He wasn't able to keep his jobs because he was always having to take sick days. And so lifestyle was gone for him. Well, ever since receiving Taylor's kidney and pancreas, he's no longer has any insulin. I mean, he is, gave it away to some of his friends. After 40 years, after 40 years, he was a total insulin dependent at this time of his life. Hmm. And there's no more dialysis. He, He was just like, he, still checks his blood to this day for insulin because he cannot believe how wow. well his numbers are. Her cornea went to a sweet special needs girl in South Dakota who mm. could not see. And now she has sight because mm. of Taylor. And her liver went to a young boy in Oklahoma and, you know, would not be alive today if it wasn't for that gift. And we've been very blessed to 
connect with four out of the five recipients. I mean, we understand that is not a, that's not usual, you know, that really is, there are so many donor families like ours who desire that connection. And we've been so blessed that they've not only connected with us, but let us in their lives, become part of our family, have come to see us and, you know, we keep in touch. And so it's, it's been a, a huge blessing that have come from that gift. Oh, Tara, you've shared so much in that little bit. Oh, there's a lot more. <laughs> there, I know. Well, oh. you've written a book, you and your husband, Todd, and it's entitled Taylor's Gift. And, you know, you just write so beautifully and transparently and really intimately about this whole experience that you just did a synopsis of. But I'd love to go back and ask you a few things about grieving, because I think there are people listening today who maybe have lost a loved one or even a child who just feel like their life is lost. They're in a fog, a heaviness. You know, the grief can be so smothering and drowning that you feel like you just can't survive it, that you're not going to live. And I know you wrote about that in your experience. I mean, Taylor was 13. She was just beginning the beauty of her long life, you know, and her life, the beauty of what you've chosen is that she does live on in the lives of these people who we call Taylor's keepers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, this March will be five years since that accident. And so you can now tell that story the way you just did, but it wasn't always so. Can you, can you describe a little bit about those days between, you know, saying goodbye in the OR as the transplant team went in with Taylor to those moments at home, you know, you had people that welcomed you and really um, walked with you in those months that you were just beyond you know, the ability to function, what, what describe for people how they can, where you've been and how they can have hope that they can move through that depth of grief as well. Yeah. You know, grief is so individual, you know, it is, I mean, I, I know it you is, read you're our, right. I, yeah. I mean, I read, I know you read our book and, you know, I hope you can see that you don't have to lose a child to really grasp onto our story No, because it's not, it's so much more than, um, it shows the hope and actually the joy that can come after something like this. Right. Right. So, you know, we really wanted that thread to come through of God's fingerprints were on it, no matter where we were in this journey. And so, you know, like you mentioned the book, I don't want people to think it's just going to be a hard, hard story to read. Sure. There's hard parts, but you do find hope. So much hope, so much hope. So much hope. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, looking back on those days, God, you know, you're so right. I mean, I truly felt that I would never be happy again, Mm -hmm. that my identity is now completely altered. My DNA, I felt Mm -hmm. like was completely altered, you know, and I do truly believe that the Tara I was before this happened to our family is a different terror than I am now. I think there was a complete shift and how you get through it. Gosh, it's so individualized. My husband and I, um, as you read, I mean, we Mm -hmm. really handled this differently. Right. You know, my husband loved being around Taylor's friends. I couldn't bear it. My husband loved having people over, having her friends over, that threw me into bed for days. Um, well, and I was so moved by how Todd did that because, you know, he, you talk about how he went to speak at the school because the kids at her school were having such a hard time with the loss. Right. And Todd went to the school and he just said, you know, if you all want to come by our house, no matter the time of day, you don't have to call ahead. Just come and hang out in Taylor's room. You can write her notes and you can just be present there. And the gift that that was, even as hard as that was for you and the way you were grieving, the gift that was to those kids and how it affected oh, their lives forever to be able to process through that. What a what a special thing for him to offer. I just was so moved by that. Oh, and I tell you, you have no idea. Her room was plastered with notes. These kids would show up in droves and Todd would just open the door and say, you know, you're welcome here. And they would all run upstairs and sit in her room and cry and write notes. And I mean, it was, 
you know, we ended up having to have like a note cards and things out because they weren't yeah. coming prepared. You know, we had everything yeah. there. Some already had it written. Someone just, and it was taped on her wall. It was underneath her pillows. Mm-hmm. It was all over her bed. It was just so precious for them to have that connection. And Todd desired that for them. He wanted them to know, you know, you're going to be okay. Right. 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 Um, and yet that was a room you couldn't hardly even keep the door open to. I mean, oh no. it was a I room mean, that you avoided going upstairs because of that. Well, and honestly, yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, to this day, we have not touched her room and it's not because we haven't wanted to, Yeah, it's because that room is so precious to us. And some people may think, okay, that's ridiculous. It's been five years, but you know what? That's us. This is how we're handling it. That's how we're handling it. Some people would have done this six months after and gone through their room and I haven't done that yet. And you know what? It may be 10 years, but you know, the, what I want to say is that no matter how you're handling your grief, it's right for you. Right. There is not a book of, you know, they have the steps. Okay, there's acceptance and then there's this. and then Right, the, right. Denial well, and yeah. anger, bargaining, yeah. Sure, you're going to go through those, but there's not an order. You may right. go to step five and then all the way back to like negative six. I mean, you know, yeah. there's all these ups and downs that come with grief. But one thing that really saved Todd and I in our marriage was that someone, this couple that had been through this before us, sat down with us and said, you have to give each other the grace to grieve the way they need to. So I was getting upset with Todd because he wanted to be around Taylor's friends. I was like, why aren't you in bed in a fetal position like I am? You know, how are you doing this? And we, that was such a light bulb moment for Todd and I to realize, okay, he needs that. I need to be balled up in the fetal position. Right. That doesn't mean that's the way he needs to handle it, right? right. So, you know, we realized once we kind of did that, we were like, it was such a huge, like, pressure off. Mm-hmm. It's like I needed to let him be, just be. And he needed to let me be the same. And for a long while, he felt like he had really lost me. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember him telling me, I've lost Taylor. I can't lose my wife too. And he's not talking physically. He's talking emotionally, spiritually. Every part of me was right. had vanished. Right. I look like a shell. I really, I just never, ever thought I would smile again, that I would find joy again, that I would ever laugh again, ever, ever, ever. Um, that I would have a day that I got up and it wasn't the first, very first thought in my mind. I mean, cause sleep was my only escape. Yeah. You know, I mean, when my eyes opened, reality hit and it hit hard mm-hmm. and it was, I felt seriously when people say there's an elephant on your chest, I felt like he had laid down on top of me with three of his friends yeah. and, you know, I mean, I, I just felt this heaviness that you just can't explain. And that's the hard part about grief. I know that you talk to a lot of people about this. It's very difficult to put it in words. Very. Yeah. It is. It is not something I can say, this is what you need to do to find joy again. I can say, this is kind of what worked for me that didn't work for me. And the things that didn't work for me may be the perfect thing for you. Right. And, you know, people ask us all the time what it was like when we heard Taylor's heartbeat again. In Patricia's chest. Mm-hmm. I have no words for that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say is that that decision we made for our family, meeting Patricia and hearing Taylor's heartbeat made us realize it didn't give us peace because people in grief think, okay, when I feel peace, I feel closure and right. then I can move on. But it gave us strength. Mm-hmm. It gave us so much strength to know that we're going to be able to survive this. Right you know, and this was the right decision for us. So, Mm. well, and there are times in grief, I know you wrote about this feeling abandoned by God and just so really angry at God. And I, I love how you had so much community around you. I mean, as a mom reading this, I was so just moved and just it it has propelled me honestly in the last few months to just seizing more moments with my kids because um Jackie. you know we take it for granted I have a lot of kids and I'm 
you know, I'm homeschooling them and I'm in the throes of so much busyness. I work part time as a nurse and I'm trying to do podcasting and online things. And, you know, you can really lose sight of the preciousness of moments in the busyness of the big picture, you know, and, um, reading your book was just, I, I want to encourage everyone. It's your story is so much more than, you know, organ donation awareness and the loss of a child. It's, it's so much more about living in our moments and really not taking for granted the little things God has given us that we have right now. I mean, on that car ride to to uh, Colorado, you had no idea that that was going to be your mm-hmm. last laughter moments as a your five piece puzzle, you know, of your mm-hmm. family. You had no idea. And yet it inspired me that you had cherished those moments. And, you know, as I read through your grief and as I hear you describe it, too, I think that anger at God is a normal response. I think it's, I think if anyone is listening who is grieving today and they, they just are really mad at God, I think it's, I think you would say too, it's not wrong to just embrace that because God can handle that. Well, I think what is the hardest part is that as a grieving parent, as a grieving spouse, anybody in grief, right? there's that swirling question of why, why, why? I don't understand why. And that's where the anger started to really boil in me because I needed an answer. Mm -hmm. Why did you take her from me? You know, you, how could you, you know, was kind of my reaction. But that answer of why was so all-consuming to me. And when I wasn't getting the answer that I wanted Mm -hmm. in the time frame that I needed, I felt, you know what? okay, I'm going to stop talking to you then. I'm done. You yeah. know, I was, had a really strong faith in you. Man, I really thought you would be there for me, but you took something so precious away from me. How could you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it was that, it was that swirling question of why. And you know what? It took me a very, very long time to realize I may never know why on this side. Right. And so this is where faith comes in. Mm-hmm. It really is. Okay, well, let's talk about that because okay. when you walk through grief, mm-hmm. you know, there were months, literally months, you mm-hmm. describe, you were in bed, like sleeping mm-hmm. it away, and friends would have to come. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I know how I loved how they made each friend take you a glass of orange juice. Like, you cannot come out from seeing her without, <laughs> without making her drink the orange juice because you weren't eating or drinking. Uh-uh. You know, you were losing weight. And, mm-hmm. and then that one friend, like, you are a mess. She put you in the shower and washed you down. I was was like cracking yeah, my sister-in-law up at that oh my goodness and I will never forget that yeah and yet those all those little things like I like how you describe that there is no right way to grieve there is no right way that one person has to endure suffering but for you there were a lot of little things that happened along the way things like those cards from that woman named Angie and daring you to earn points and Uh and the the story about there's gold under the mud and like talk about some of that and how Todd was saying that you know well you say why and he says why not us, you know, and, and all of it being for God's glory and spending time at her grave site. Just talk a little bit about that. Those little things that led you, God was so good to not run from you when you were trying to run from him. Oh, I wasn't running. I was, had like skid marks behind me. I was taking off so fast. Well, I'm sure today there's someone listening who has is doing the same exact thing. And I want them to hear, you know, a perspective five years ago. And now it's five years later. Tell them a little bit how God never let go. He never let go. And I think he needed to give me. Um, I was so keeping God at an arm's length um, that he had to kind of give me little signs. And what I believe, I don't think these were, I think these were signs, um, specialized that he created from him. for me. Yes. From, yes. For me. First, it's for me. However, I think no matter what kind of day you're having right now, God is giving you those signs. Right. And we have to be open enough, you know, to see them. Right. We get so busy in our lives. We put these blinders on, right. That we don't see that 
I mean, just walking outside and seeing the sky that you woke up this morning is a sign mm-hmm. that God's not done with you yet. Right. Right. That the sun is out, that maybe it's raining out there. It does. That's a sign for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have these signs all around, but God really, he gave me some very incredible signs. But you had to want to see them. I mean, I think, I think surrendering and saying, okay, God, I'm so mad right now, but help me see you. If that's the only prayer, right? Help me right. see the sign. And and that's what you began to see, right? Right. I did. I began. And so we had a lot of signs. I mean, I, I you know, wrote about <laughs> quite a few of them. Um, oh yeah. I got them all listed right here. <laughs> Because they were so encouraging to my faith, you know, if God met you in those ways, he can meet me too. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what situation. So tell me, describe, describe for us some of the, some of the really amazing signs. Well, we started calling them, of course, moments because it was so apparent that God was showing up. We'd go, well, of course he's showing up now. You know, of course. And we and we believe, I don't know how many people believe, but we believe that it was also Taylor reaching out to us, yeah. just saying, I'm fine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and some people may think, oh, that's crazy. But that was part of what was keeping me hanging on, is that right. these were signs from her too, you know. Um, so like one of the signs was, is that I'll never forget um, – Gosh, just a few weeks after, I was horrible, and my little daughter came up to me and she said, "Mommy, come to the, let's walk to the pond. Let's there's a, a pond really close to us where a bunch of ducks are." And she said, "Let's go feed the ducks." And I was like, "That was the last thing I wanted to do. I will tell you that." <laughs> and so, Girl, I want to sleep. I don't want to go to the park. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go to the park. I don't want to experience life. Period. And yet, she was what nine or um, she's nine. nine. So we walked to the park. It's close enough to my house. And I truly feel like I have cement blocks on my feet. Taking each step mm-hmm. took such effort. And she was just kind of skipping ahead of me and then wait. And then she skipped ahead of me and wait and just talking along the way. And I think I was responding. If I responded, it was a lot of a, uh-huh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I was engaging in conversation. Right, right. Well, we get all the way to the duck pond, which was probably a 15-minute walk. But to me, I felt like I had been on the road for six hours. <laughs> and... Um, I looked at her and I go, oh, sweetie. I said, I forgot the bread. We have nothing at all to give these ducks. And she's like, mommy, that's the reason we came here. She's, but that's okay. We can play at the park. She was so forgiving. Mm. But I walked maybe 10 more steps and in the ground, which I had never seen before, right by this pond was a cross that had looked like it had been mowed or created on the ground, in the dirt, in mm-hmm. the grass, and at the bottom of that cross were breadcrumbs. A whole pile of them. A whole pile of breadcrumbs. And I I remember I took a picture of it because mm-hmm. I thought, this, this is for me. Mm-hmm. This is a kiss right now that I need, yep. a hug that I need. Mm-hmm. And so of course God showed up there. That was an of course moment. Of course moment was when we were in California, we were asked to come to a film festival to present an award to the producers of Grey's Anatomy because Grey's Anatomy had done a beautiful episode about organ donation. And so they asked us to come and present the award, knowing the work that we had done for organ donation. And we can talk a little bit more about that, Jackie. Yeah, I I totally want to talk about that for sure. Yes. So, um, we were up there, and I will never forget meeting a woman who just really, <laughs> she just, for some reason, was very drawn to Todd and I and just pulled me aside because she could see I was hurting. I mean, my I, my shoulders were slouched. I just looked worn out. And she told me this story, and I will never forget it. She said, I hope this makes sense to you. She said, but I'm going to tell you a story. She said, mm-hmm. Many, many, many years ago, there was this village, and I think there was a Buddha that was being built there. Well, the village was being attacked, and so they needed to move. These people needed to move, and they wanted to take that Buddha with them. And they kept just frightened about what was going to happen. So they went, and they had in the Buddha was covered with mud, and so they were going to take it, and it started to crack. And underneath the mud was gold. 
Mm. And she held my shoulders and she said, you are going to need to crack to find your gold. Mm. And I will never forget that because I thought, oh my gosh, gold is my faith. Yeah. Gold is God. Right. And I'm covered in mud and I, I need it to, cr- I have to crack to find him because right now it's a very strong exterior for me. Right. Right. So that was a, a big moment for me and a big light bulb that Oh, there, there is some, there is good that could come out of this. And, you know, my husband and I really, we made a conscious choice. We said we can either cave up in the grief or we can Mm -hmm. try to find the good. And I'm going to tell you, that was a very hard choice because my first initial reaction is, okay, I'm going to cave up in the grief because that's easier and I don't have to deal with the world. I don't have to deal with anybody. And so I can grieve until my very last day because I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be with her. Right? right? That's where my head was. When you are grieving, you've lost something that is so tender to you, your heart that now you are living life one foot here and one foot there. Yeah. And it's a very different world to kind of live in at that point. I mean, it does change your perspective on things and your priorities on things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, those were just a couple of course moments. Um, that we experienced. And there were so many that throughout what you wrote, it was just beautiful. I especially love the the dress. Yes. That was the first day you were going to meet one of the recipients, right? Right. right. Yeah. We were in Colorado going to meet one of her recipients and I was a nervous wreck. I mean, this was a huge step for us. Um, and so I was really, really nervous. And my husband said, okay, so what would you like to do? And I said, you know, let's go shopping. You know what? Retail therapy, right? So he was like, oh my gosh. Well, I knew when we got back from Colorado that week, that weekend was going to be the very first event for the foundation we had created. And so I was going to look for a particular dress. I said, this is what I want. I want a Taylor blue sundress. And we call it Taylor blue because that's the color that is just so precious to us. It's the color of her eyes. And her eyes were her favorite feature. There's mm-hmm. just a lot behind that color. So that's the color I wanted to find. Well, I could not find it. Todd parked himself at a Starbucks, you know. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and work. You have 40 Knock minutes. yourself out. Go, Go shopping. Right? Yeah. So I'm going in and out of stores. And if you've ever been to Denver, they have this outdoor shopping with like cobblestone streets. And so I'm going in and out of stores and out of stores and I cannot find it. Everything is like fall colors. It's coppers and browns and earth tones and grays. And I could not find this precious blue. And I went back to Todd and I go, I can't find it. And he said, okay, you've got 30 more minutes. Go, go. So Taylor and I had really we had just gotten to this wonderful, wonderful place. We had such a close relationship. And I felt like, gosh, I didn't lose just a daughter. I lost a friend. I mean, she and I just were, had this incredible connection and we shopped together. We would laugh together. I mean, the girl was 13 and she was still holding my hand when we were out. And so I remember looking up and saying, Taylor, you know what I'm looking for, sweetie, please help me find it. And the very next door I went into, I saw this little piece of blue fabric in between all this black and brown that was hanging. (laughs) And I picked it up and it was like beautiful Taylor blue sundress. It was exactly what I was looking for. And I was thrilled and it was my size, which I'm not going to say. And I held it up and I was like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. So I started walking really fast to the dressing room and I put it across my arm and the tag wiggled itself out and landed on my hand. And the tag was Taylor. It was a Taylor dress. I had never before in my life seen a Taylor brand dress. Amazing. And And you tried it on and it fit. Perfectly. Of course. Of course. Of course. That was a huge sign. I remember running Mm -hmm. back to that Starbucks and Todd goes, what happened? I mean, I just had this smile and I go, look at this. We got a sign. And it was just it was so impactful and a moment I will cherish in my heart forever. Love it. It was beautiful, beautiful to read about too. You just, such wonder in how you wrote your story. It's just so moving. Yeah. Well, um, Tara, I want to talk, before we talk about uh, more awareness about organ donation, which I totally want to do, let's talk about helping kids grieve. Um, Tell me a little bit about, I mean, in those moments of grief that were so hard for you, 
you know, it was really hard on the kids. You had a lot of community to support you and be around you and help you. But how are your other kids doing now? And what has that process been like to help them through grief? Oh, wow. You know, now I can say that they are really doing well, you know, uh, in spite of, I mean, we have got laughter in the house and, you know, youth is, is so beautiful because it's protective. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, they are easily distracted. You know, they're, you know, Ryan was 11 when this happened, Peyton was nine. And Mm -hmm. so that youth has really, I think, been a balm to their heart. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I can't lie and say it's been a joy, (laughs) you know, to have two grieving siblings at the house. One thing that I realized though, that Todd and I really talked about is not only do Todd and I grieve differently, so do they. Yeah. Their grief, sibling grief is different than parental grief, right? Mm -hmm. It's completely different. Ryan's experience is completely different from Peyton because Ryan was with Taylor. He saw everything, you know? So not only is he dealing with grief, he's dealing with trauma. Yeah. And so there's a whole different piece with that. Mm -hmm. So we have learned to love them where they are because people try to fix us in grief and we can't be fixed because they desire us to be quote normal again. Right. right? Well, it makes them feel more comfortable for them to support you and then they need an end to it, but there really is never an end to it. There's not an end. Yeah. There's not an end. And so I found that I wanted to fix them too. I need them to be okay. I need them to be normal. I need them to be back at school and every, you know, I needed everything kind of going at, at that pace. And I had to really pull back and say, the way I'm not the same as before, neither are they. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the only advice I can give them is love them where they are. You know, we have wonderful good days and we have really ugly, stinky, bad days. Hard days, yeah. Hard days. But we love them exactly where they are. And we have to let them be in that moment. It was, it's very hard for people to rush you through when you're in a moment like that because yeah. it's uncomfortable for them. So right. they want you to be, okay, you know, let's get past this. Right, right, right. right. Yep. So, and it's uncomfortable for as a parent to see our child hurt and cry and miss their sibling. You have a desire to go, okay, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, Trying to fix it, right? Let me fix it. Let me let me make this all better, right? And but you can't. You have to love them, and and you realize how much you appreciate those special friendships that love you no matter what, Mm -hmm. and let you be in those moments, and don't try to pull you out quickly. And so you have to really give that back to your children, and it's hard. It's hard to see them hurt and cry because you don't have that quick fix, right? Right. You just don't. And so my advice that Todd and I have really experienced, just love them where they are, because where they are today is not going to be where they are on their fifth anniversary of this. Right. And time is really what is such the gift in the process of moving your grief along, right? It, it really just it requires time. It requires time, but we've never, ever, ever liked when people say, well, time will heal. Yeah, time that is a heal. trite saying, definitely not, yeah. he- not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Time's going to heal it. You'll be fine. So what do we do? We keep a big clock on our wall and say, okay, we're waiting, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, time doesn't heal. Time eases the sting. Right. And still there, but yeah. Less. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's still there. But how yeah. you learn to manage that and you learn to realize that, okay, I'm having more good days than bad days. Right. 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 And so time is a beautiful thing, but time doesn't heal, but it does help very much. Well, one of the beautiful redemptive things that, that you've said yes to God in, in this tragedy is the, not only writing your story in the book, Taylor's gift, but really your passion to bring more awareness to organ donation. Mm -hmm. And so share with us a little bit about how you know, this was a way that Todd really mm-hmm. helped, it helped him deal with his grief to have a purpose and some kind of mission to help Taylor's life have a purpose 
beyond just those people who received a part of her in right. through organ donation, but also to bring more awareness. So you established an organization called Taylor's Gift. Tell us a little bit about that. I know you've been featured on a lot of media channels, you know, People Magazine, The Today Show, The Good Morning Show. Even the Ellen DeGeneres mm-hmm. show, yeah. which was <laughs> just amazing. And um, and then, um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that and how we can get involved as listeners. Oh, that's, thank you for this opportunity. You know, I mean, it's never, ever, if you would have asked me five years ago if I would have been an organ donation advocate, I would have thought, <laughs> you are crazy. You're all, you what? Are, you're all, no way. <laughs> Um, ever, ever. I mean, did I ever think I'd be on podcast and TV and doing interviews about this? Never, never. And you know, public speaking was never something I was comfortable with. Now it's something that a gift has been given through this, that I'm able to speak about it in a way, um, that's inspiring and encouraging. And so, you know, really how it started is when we came back, um, Todd really started looking into organ donation because that was the spider web of hope we were hanging on to. Oh my gosh, in our tragedy, she saved lives. That was a good that came out of it. I mean, we just hung on to that good. We were desperate to mm-hmm. find the good, right? Right. So we started looking into organ donation and Todd realized that in April of 2010, in the great state of Texas where we live, only 2% of the population in this state was registered to be an organ donor. Wow. And we could not believe that number was so low. And so Todd and I really had this prayerful moment. It's like, maybe this is what we do. Maybe this is the beauty that comes out of this. Well, very quickly, we started Taylor's Gift Foundation. And it just started having doors open for this foundation because I'll never forget Todd telling me, he said, I feel like... God is saying, this is your purpose. And he said, Tara, I feel like I'm going to be disobedient if I don't try, if I don't try. Yeah. So, you know, it was a huge leap of faith for us to start this. And we have truly made an impact in the world of organ donation and getting the word out of the blessings that come, but how registration is important all over the nation, how it saves lives. And how we do this is through what we have tagged as Outlive Yourself, right? Outlive Yourself has become our marketing campaign because Outlive Yourself means something to so many people. It could mean organ donation to somebody. It could be, I want to love unconditionally. It's how are you going to make your legacy? What what are you doing to outlive yourself? Some people, it could be planting a tree, putting their name on a library. Who knows? It right. means something different to everybody, right? How are you going to outlive yourself? For us, it is sharing the gift of organ donation. So we have started that. We had a wonderful company, OPI, Nail, Nail Polish, partnered yes. with us and created a color called Taylor Blue. Mm. And from this became our conversation. You know, think about it. 15, 20 years ago, you never talked about breast cancer. I mean, it was very uncomfortable. It was taboo. You didn't really mention the word breast. And you never talked to your friends about if you got a mammogram or not. Right. That was just uncomfortable. Well, now it's on cereal boxes and on the NFL football fields. It's a very, and that was their conversation piece, right? Right. So we knew that organ donation was not an easy topic. You don't sit around the table and say, hey, you want to be an organ donor? You you don't. talk about it. So we needed a conversation piece. Well, that little bottle of nail polish that OPI created became our conversation piece. It started cutting through the clutter of being able to talk about it with how are you going to outlive yourself? So that became the conversation piece. And through that became so many blessings. I mean, our mission is an engine is always going to be to keep the awareness up about organ donation and let people know how easy it is to register. You can go to our website, taylorsgift.org. You can pick any state, any country, and find out how to register. We link you directly to your state's website to register. Yeah, it's super easy. And, you know, I had put that little pink dot on my um, driver's license years ago, and I went ahead and went to your website and just to confirm if I was registered, and I was not. Yeah. So I went, it, it took like one minute to register. It was super easy. And yeah, I mean, people, we really encourage people to do exactly what you did, Jackie, is to double check because many people registered like when they were 16 and they think, oh, yeah. right. But it may not be in your state's database. So go on and register. Go on and register and or double check, you know, like you did. Yeah. Exactly. But the big thing is to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. 
with your loved ones just saying, I want to outlive myself and here's how I want to. And if organ donation is part of that, great, but they need to know. Right. And what is the hashtag on Twitter you y'all have been using? It, outlive yourself. Outlive hashtag yourself. Okay. Outlive yourself. Yeah. And so what I was saying is about the mission of the foundation, but our big fundraising capabilities are for two things, two real big programs. One is our legacy gift program. And what that is, these are financial grants that are given to families who are touched by organ donation. As a, we are called a donor family. This means that someone in our life who has passed away, we have been able to say yes, and they were donating their organs, mm-hmm, right? right? So we're the donor family. Well, there's so many donor families that are out there that are hit with organ donation because donation comes as a tragedy. As a tragedy. It's not like they've been sitting on a deathbed for six years, right? Right. It is something, most of the time, it's a tragedy. And so there are families that are choosing between all of a sudden having to pay for a funeral to putting rent you know, out or they're going to lose right. their home right. or they've just paid for a funeral. Now they don't have food for the kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, so our foundation has paid food, clothing, shelter, emergency bills, mortgages, burial costs mm, beautiful. to help these families in that moment when they have given such a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. It's a great give back. And then we also do scholarships. We're going to have um, five scholarships this year and Nike has come on and partnered with us to oh. present. Um, so to partner great. with us to present our scholarships, which is wonderful. Um, it's the North American Merchandising um, Department of Nike has come on and has sponsored our um, scholarships this year. And these are for high school students that are outliving themselves. Mm. This is not based on your sports or your grades. And of course, those things our grades are wonderful, but these are for kids that are making an impact in their world and what their world is. It could be their church, their community, their school, their family, you know? So these are the kids that are outliving themselves. Beautiful. They're making an impact. So it's been a beautiful give back for us um, to turn this into such a beautiful positive. Mm -hmm. We've seen many blessings that have come through because of that. And so mm. one of the big things you said, how can you, your listeners get involved? Yes. Um, April is National Donate Life Month. And coming up in April, we're going to be launching our Outlive Yourself Pledge. We're going to be launching this on national, uh, nationally and hopefully international. And we have media behind it. But you're going to be able to print out from our website the pledge. And it says, how will you outlive yourself? I will and you just fill it out on that one line. Hmm. And so far, we've gotten a lot of celebrities who have done it. And so we're saving those um, to launch in April. And so that's going to be a pledge that you can share with your family and friends. This is how I want to outlive myself. And some of the ones we've received have been wonderful. It's been, I want to be an organ donor. I want to be nicer. I want to love my family. I want to have more quality relationships. I mean, there's so many ways that how do you outlive yourself, right? Right. So that's going to be coming up in April. So we really encourage your listeners to like our Facebook page, um, to follow us on Twitter, you know, all the social media you're involved in, and just watch for the Outlive Yourself Pledge and be part of that. You know, we need to get the word out more, and we Mm -hmm. also need funding to continue our mission. Right. And will the Taylor Blue Nail Polish be back by then? Yeah, OPI um, Nail Polish Taylor Blue will be launched back in April. Right now, it is off our website. We had it for our, our um, the holidays. Right. But we'll bring it back in, in April for National Donate Life Month for just Love that. It. It's such a pretty color, too. It's so, so beautiful. beautiful. We're so honored they did that for us. And that has been an incredible um, give back. We had a lot of celebrities sign that bottle, um, bottles in December. Everybody from Carrie Underwood to Natalie Morales from the Today Show to, yeah. you know, um, it's been wonderful. You can look on our Facebook page and see all the celebrities that jumped on. Well, and I love how the awareness is coming with the media, but also your story highlights God's redemption too. Wow, and it's just, it's it's not only a championing of what God can do through organ donation, but also just how he is so good to take what is seemingly the worst day of our lives, just the biggest tragedy imaginable and bring so much good from it. I mean, I, I really think Todd was right. You were chosen for this. And I, love, um, I don't know if you know, but um, Max Lucado, he, when he wrote the book Grace, he used Taylor's story in his book because, and he used it within all of his messaging. And I'll tell you what an honor that God is using our Taylor as a tool to bring others closer to him. You know, 
You know, it was so great that I loved what Max Lucado said is that, you know, he equated it to when you receive Jesus and God in your life, it's like receiving a spiritual heart transplant. Yes. Because your heart is new. Right. Right. And so that's how he would tie in our story. And I thought, gosh, you know, that's so true. When you are going through grief, the very first thing that I did, and not everybody does, is, boy, I put up that wall quick between me and God. I didn't want to be new. I wanted to be who I was before. Right. Right. And the whole, you know, People say, well, you've got to find a new normal. I've never liked that because the word new to me means exciting. You know, you get a new Mm -hmm. purse. That's great. You know? Well, and it implies that the old wasn't enough or it devalues the old too. Yeah. And I've never liked that. I used that in the beginning thinking that's what I need. I need to find a new normal. But I loved my old normal, right? So, yeah. um, But I loved how when you receive God in your life, you know, when you break down those bricks of grief in the wall, you know, you do receive something new and those come through all different ways. I mean, and and you'll feel that in your heart. I never understood when people said, you know, I just feel God, you know, I, and now I get that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be open to that because I was so upset with him. Right. But you can find for any of your listeners that are listening and in just a mud pit, Yes. You know, like you say, there is hope and you will find joy again. And I hope that you can just listen to me. That's someone who has felt like I will never survive this. Mm-hmm. To hear the lift in my voice, knowing that there is joy behind that curtain. Yeah. You have to at least be just a little, even a little open to it. Just a little. And God will be faithful to show himself. Your very own, of course, moments, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, Tara, thank you so much for joining us. I want, in honor of Taylor and how her life is outliving herself, I want to just read the poem that she wrote Mm -hmm. the week before this tragic accident. And I just feel like she was really hearing from God when she wrote this poem, you know, and... um, Because so much of it has come true. Yeah, tell us a little bit before I read it. Just tell tell them what it what it was. An it, assignment. Was, it was just a English project at school right before the break, and it was called "I Am." And they tell about themselves. I am. You know what does that mean to that child? And looking back on what Taylor wrote, I mean, so much of that has come true. Yeah. It's just it was just it was a gift to us. So the accident was on March 14th, 2010, and on March 8th, this is what she wrote. I am. I am outgoing and friendly. I wonder how long is forever. I hear support from my family whenever I need it. I see myself helping people in every way I can. I want to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show, (laughs) which she She was. was. (laughs) I am outgoing and friendly. I pretend I can do anything I want to. I feel touched by the generosity of my sister. I touch people's lives. I worry about failing. I cry at the thought of losing a member of my family. I am outgoing and friendly. I understand how to make people feel happy. I say with pride that I am a Christian. I dream about becoming a teacher. And boy, has she taught us a lot. I try to make every day like my last. I hope to become successful in life. I am outgoing and friendly. Taylor Page Storch. And um, I just think this is just such a beautiful gift she gave you that God allowed her to give you, that he inspired her to write that. And that... um, She is outliving herself. And um, may we all do that too, you know. May we all um, know that no matter what God gives, that He is with us. We are not alone. And He will not leave us or forsake us. And He will guide us even in those times where we don't really want Him around. That's right. (laughs) You know, even in the times where it feels like it's not fair and 
and we can't survive. He is good and he does love us and he will redeem and restore all things. So thank you for championing that message, Tara. I can't be cheering for you more. And thank you for saying yes to talk to me today. I will link to all of these things and um, anything in closing you want to add? Oh, I just, I just am so speechless by listening to that poem again. Yeah. And you read it just so beautifully. And thank you just for the, the grace and the sensitivity you've given this today. And I just so appreciate being part of it. So Mm. thank you. Mm, Thank you, Tara. Have a beautiful day. I will. You too. Okay. Okay. Bye. Well, that's all for this episode. And again, I am so thankful to Tara for saying yes to come and join us here on the Mud Stories podcast. And it's my hope that we can all find a way to outlive ourselves. And also, you can register today to be an organ donor, or you can go to their site and confirm that you already are registered. I know for me, I went there and I wasn't registered when I thought I was. So you can get there by going to taylorsgift.org forward slash register. And come April, let's all be aware and join in in the month of bringing more awareness to organ donation. You know, let's find that nail polish, that OPI, Taylor Blue, and paint our fingernails and raise awareness with Tara and Todd about organ donation. It is such an important issue and can save so, so many lives. And um, I, again, am just so thankful that she was here and joined us and shared with us her story with the hope that I know we can learn how to walk through our own grief too. And that's my prayer for you today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, that in the midst of your loss and your grief, you have found hope through Tara's story. And if you want to know more, if you want to really hear Tara's heart, um, get her book, Taylor's Gift. You can get it on amazon.com. I'll have the links Again, you can find all the show notes and links to everything mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 30. And if you have enjoyed this podcast and it's brought you hope today, I would so love it if you would take a few moments and head on over to iTunes to leave a rating or review. It makes such a big difference for iTunes to be able to expose this podcast to more people so that they can hear these mud stories and have hope where there otherwise wouldn't be hope. And I personally read each and every one of them and it just inspires me and I just would be so thankful if you would go do that. So you can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes to leave a rating or review. And quickly, I just want to remind you, you can find the Mud Stories podcast app for free. You just go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app if you are an Apple user or JackieWatkins.com forward slash Android app if you are an Android user. And you can also get a free audiobook today. If you go to mudstoriesbook.com, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial and download any book today. They have thousands of books, and I know audiobooks are a great way to use our time wisely to be able to consume some awesome content through books while having our eyes and our hands free. So if you're interested in getting a free audiobook today, it will help support this podcast, and I'd so appreciate it if you would go to mudstoriesbook.com and enjoy your free book, and you can cancel that trial at any time. And don't forget, you can leave me a message or some feedback. You can send me an email, Jackie at JackieWatkins.com. Leave me a voicemail message or leave a comment on the show notes at this post, JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 30. You can also find me on Facebook or Twitter. And I would love nothing more than to hear from you and to hear some feedback of what you thought and how Tara's message has helped you with your grieving. I know for me, it was so moving and touching and it just made me want to go visit her at her house and share some hot tea with her over a couple hours and just really give her a big warm hug and thank her for her transparency and honesty and the way she's helping us all and inspiring us all. So today, honestly, it is my prayer. If you are facing grief or loss, If your heart is in that place where Tara's once was, 
where you just feel like you can't make it today, it's my prayer that you would not only be inspired by Tara's words, that you would have hope that God can meet you where you are, but that you would really feel his presence near you, that you would know that you're not alone, and that God does have a purpose in your pain, even though you can't see it today. And um, just know my heart is with you, and I'm sending much love to you. And today, no matter what you're facing, where you've been, or what lies ahead, may you find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. I never in you ever feels a press upon my mind I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out and then I feel you next to me my head to see your strong arm reaches to me your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole you wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place Suppress upon my mind a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.